I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to Seriously, the New Statesman podcast that takes pop culture seriously. I'm Caroline Crampton. And I'm Anna Leskovich. This week we're talking about the second series of The Handmaid's Tale and the Netflix original Set It Up. We've also listened to the Audible podcast West Cork for the first time, so we'll be talking about how that went later in the show. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Seriously. Caroline, you've been combing through the inbox, I believe. Yes. So we just wanted to mention we had an email from a guy called Andy in LA, who it turns out is the person who on our survey left that comment about the books we read being too female centric, which we I think we mentioned that last week in a kind of uh, eye rolly way. But anyway, Andy has emailed to say that he's really sorry and that he said a really stupid thing and that he, (laughs) you know, he knows that female stereotypes about these kind of books are bad and that was and he yeah he said his comment was wholly uninformed and he wishes he could take it back oh that's sweet of andy to to bother to email (laughs) i just thought that was really nice and a nice ending to the story and almost no one on the internet ever apologizes for things they say so yeah good for you andy yeah well done Something else I wanted to discuss with you, Anna, before we get into what we're reviewing this week, is this article on The Ringer. I don't know if you saw. I'm just going to read you the headline. It's a review of the hereditary Wikipedia page by someone who is too afraid to see hereditary. (laughs) Uh, That's brilliant. Brilliant headline for an article. I'm already invested. Go on. Basically, I identify very strongly with this article as someone who is pretty much too afraid. I, I psych myself out of basically every horror film there is. But I, you know, I like to know what's going on in pop culture. So I do want to know, mm-hmm. particularly when, I mean, actually, this podcast has made me see more horror films or films you might loosely describe as horror than I would have normally because you know we reviewed Raw and I'm not even sure Literally I would have the first thing that jumped into my mind was the hair vomit scene from oh, Raw oh god <laughs> still think about that um I'm not sure I would even have gone to see A Quiet Place if we hadn't been reviewing yeah. it and that's borderline horror maybe yeah yeah one of my colleagues Kate called that horror for people who don't like horror yeah exactly the author of this article is basically like, I'm too afraid to see horror films, but I do want to be, quote, a culture knower. So <laughs> they just read the 
summaries on Wikipedia and they get a good cultural experience from that. And I sort of feel the same. Yeah, it's interesting how we like consume culture in all these different ways, I think, because I often like watching and writing about and thinking about movie trailers and if I ever write a piece about a movie trailer obviously the number one response I get from people is like oh she hasn't even seen the movie and she's already judging it Mm. it's like no I'm judging the movie trailer um because a lot of people watch trailers for movies they never see and that Mm. becomes part of cultural consciousness people read wikipedia pages for films they never see there's that book isn't there called something like how to talk about books you've never read yeah and it basically is theorizing that you know we're all talking about books we haven't read all the time. What is reading a book? If you read it, <laughs> are you reading it in the same way that someone else is? Are you skim, you know? So I think it's a, it's an interesting, I like, it's, it's obviously they've gone for a kind of funny tone there at the ringer with that. They're not taking it too seriously, but it is an interesting point. But it is also a genuine review. So I just wanted to quote this bit. So the author says, on this basis, I would give the plot summary of Hereditary four stars or four bloody skulls or four lady crossing her arms emojis or whatever. The summary <laughs> is grammatically pleasing and ordered into concise and coherent paragraphs and, th- and thorough without rambling. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. I did also see Hereditary this weekend, which I uh, guess we won't talk about because you don't particularly want to make yourself see this kind of I film. have not even read the Wikipedia page, so I'm not sure I can contribute anything. <laughs> it starts off as quite a serious art house horror film. And then, spoiler alert for people who might see Hereditary, plug your ears. It just like dissolves into this totally silly, crazy horror film. And the final line is someone bellowing, Hail Payment! And now my boyfriend <laughs> won't stop yelling that at me every five minutes. <laughs> Reddit relationships, please help. <laughs> That's not what I was expecting because I think I saw the trailer when I went to the cinema to see something else and uh, it did look very highbrow and like it might be really scary. No, it's I mean, it is quite like horrifying, literally. There's some decapitation scenes like it's it's full of like quite grim horror, but it's also Mm. quite like schlocky horror. I wouldn't say it's a serious metaphor for anything in particular. Okay. Anyway, one thing that we also need to talk about that we didn't uh, officially set aside for in the seriously episode rules of this week uh because this is an, a rule breaker who cares nothing for the culture writers of this world trying to schedule their content beyonce and jay-z surprise released an album on saturday and thus yes. culture desks around the world were fucked up <laughs> <laughs> yes uh and i experienced this album release exactly like i did the one for lemonade where i sort of came online quite late in the cycle and Mm -hmm. it took me at least five minutes to reverse engineer from the tweets that it was a new Beyonce album Mm -hmm. and not something else well you know Jay-Z and Beyonce actually happen to be in the UK at the moment Mm -hmm. um and the album was announced at their gig at the London Stadium in Stratford on Saturday night at the end of their usual set they're on this kind of couples tour it's called on the run tour two they finished their set as usual and then Beyonce was like oh well because we love you so much we want to share this new project with you left the stage and then they played the video for ape shit and then this big banner came up saying album out now and they offered no further explanation (laughs) and from that point onwards their album which is called everything is love was available to uh, stream on Tidal and it is also now as of I think this morning maybe available for two weeks on Spotify Premium 
So don't worry, you don't have to go through the whole identity fraud situation of creating yet another email to get a (laughs) free trial of Tidal. You can, if you have a Spotify premium account, stream the album for the next two weeks on there. So, you know, Beyonce's surprise dropped an album three times now. And it gets no less thrilling each time because yeah. each time it just seems like a crazier feat that she's managed to pull off. HBO live streamed the entirety of Lemonade, which just means so many people had to know about it. And yet it never leaked. And the same now for this album and the video for Ape Shit, which was filmed in the actual Louvre. And it's like, OK, well, yeah. <laughs> you can shut down the Louvre and film a video in there and no one leaks it. Like, that's crazy. The amount of people involved in shutting down the Louvre to to film a music video in there is must be astonishing. Yeah, I mean, and it is amazing all the time. All the times people's albums do leak. Now I'm just thinking you're just not spending enough money on this, <laughs> or you know you're just yeah. not writing good enough contracts or something. Because yeah, it is incredible that she does manage to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really enjoying the album. It's quite short, and it's not you know. Uh, a concept album or it's not I wouldn't say it's the same kind of like coherent piece of art that the last couple of her albums mm. have been it's it's something different it's something a bit looser and a bit more fun and it is just really you know good to listen to I really like the kind of couple power the power couple bragging that's going on on this record mm. and yeah boss in particular i'm really really enjoying boss and ape shit and nice nice i love because it's really aggressive and like changing that the you know they kind of spitting the word nice i just really think it's good fun so the first proper thing review thing we're going to do this week is the handmaid's tale which, if you haven't already come across it, is a Hulu adaptation of Margaret Atwood's dystopian novel of the same name. And it stars Elizabeth Moss as the central character of Offred, who is a woman who's enslaved and forced to work as a handmaid under the theocratic state called Gilead. And the second series, interestingly, moves beyond the scope of Atwood's novel, because they basically covered the whole novel worth of plot in series one Mm. so it's now just the writers of the series are working with the characters in the world but not with the story Mm -hmm. and it's been airing in the US uh, in the last couple of months and it's also now just arrived in the UK on channel four so Anna how have you found it so far so I kind of the first episode is so relentless and brutal Mm. uh, of the second season and I think for me part of what I was hoping for with the second season was that because it's moved on from the events of the novel, as you say, that it might be less just like constant, you know, you wouldn't necessarily be forced to live the oppression and the trauma that the handmaids and other women in this society are going through because we've got an opportunity to maybe see some rebellion and see some, you know, structural pushback and stuff. Um, And you definitely do see more of that. But the first episode, I think quite deliberately is like, so like it opens with a really hideous kind of torture Mm. sequence. Um, And that, you know, we see people's hands being burnt. We see ears cut off. We see like loads of horrible torture in that first episode. And as it goes on, you do move slightly more away from that. But 
I want even more. And I've only watched the first two episodes of the new season, so I might be Same. being unfair. I want to see more rebellion and more kind of... I, you need a break. And often they kind of give you a break in these episodes by giving you flashbacks to what people's lives were like beforehand. But in a way, that's still just so bleak and depressing. The bits that I'm really enjoying from the new series are the scenes with Moira and Luke who have yes. managed to make it across the border into Canada and they are getting more of an overarching sense of like what's going in the US from a place of safety. And you really need that hope and you really need those characters, you know, you need their escape in order to keep watching it all, I think, for me. And so I'm hoping that we'll, and I'm sure it will as it goes on, go more in that direction and we'll see more of what's happening in Canada and we'll see more of a light at the end of the tunnel for these people. Yeah, I really hope so because I'm finding it difficult to judge if the second series of what I've seen of it so far is more violent and tortury than the first series or whether it's just that I'm kind of in a different place with it so I wrote something about it when the first series came out and how it just felt so much like the tv series of the moment you know mm. it was not long after we'd started to really see the reality of what Trump as president of the United States was going to be like uh, and Mike Pence and all of that sort of religious right in the ascendant and suddenly this tv show comes along is reminding everybody that whilst, you know, women aren't being made to wear red robes and walk with their eyes downcast and mm. bear other men's babies after forced rape, uh, yet <laughs> that it's not a million miles away from the rhetoric of some of the real life politicians. And it, I don't know, it just felt very much like it cohered with a moment and with a story and with how a lot of people were feeling. And it was helped, of course, by the fact that some of the performances were brilliant it won loads of emmys and that was all fine and then nearly a year later i don't think we're quite in the same place not that the real life news has become any less horrific but just that maybe things have dissipated and atomized and it no longer feels like there's a, a solid narrative in current affairs that fits with this show. Mm. Um, there was a really good piece on The Cut by a journalist called Lisa Miller, who I, I just wanted to read a little bit where she said, I've pressed mute and fast forward so often this season. I'm forced to wonder, why am I watching this? It all feels so gratuitous, like a beating that never ends. And I can kind of know what she means. You know, you do think, yes, I understand now that this regime being portrayed is horrible. At what point am I just watching women being hit with cattle prods for no real reason? And it's supposed to be sort of prestige entertainment. Yeah, that word entertainment makes it feel so grim, doesn't mm. it? Even though obviously that's the kind of thing we're watching all the time. But yeah, I I agree. And I've also definitely been fast forwarding, which feels like a very sinful thing to admit on a culture podcast. But yeah, there have been scenes where I've been like, this is a bit too much. And it's it's for me, it's not even just like, overwhelming violence it's it's like a weird kind of boredom it's like just a, mm. the bleakness of it just becomes like okay I need something more to stay engaged it's not necessarily me being like oh this is making me feel sick and I don't feel comfortable it's just like I've seen this so much now that I get nothing from it and I find it boring <laughs> um, yeah I know what you mean and to start with I thought that maybe that was deliberate and that was a deliberate effect. So is, is it in episode two where they're in the the sort of nuclear wasteland place? Oh, the, uh, the yeah, <laughs> what's it called? It begins with C, the... Oh, I can't remember. The, the contaminated 
zone, yeah. essentially. Yeah, because the implied backstory in the novel is that there's been some kind of nuclear disaster which has contaminated a lot of land and destroyed completely, de- almost completely destroyed human fertility, yeah. and that any women who are not fertile and are therefore useless are shipped out to the contamination zone. It's called the colonies. The colonies, that's it, to work on cleanup. And yeah, so we see some of this. I think it's in episode two. And the cinematography of it is really cool because it's very sort of bleached and bare and stuff. But it's also spectacularly boring <laughs> to watch. Yeah, and I think they're playing a long game there with mm. like, I'm sure off Glen because we know off Glen and she's going to be more of a uh, resilience, resistance leader, I think, later. Mm. Or at least I hope, because that's very much where, where we've kind of seen her character as, as positioned in the narrative. So hopefully those bleak scenes of the colonies, colonies will later seem much more satisfying and much more worth it. But at, at this point, we're kind of in an uncomfortable middle spot with the season, I think, where it's not developed perhaps in the way that I would like it to have so far. I think for me, it's raising interesting questions about when really horrific violence and fear is good or a useful part of entertainment and when it's not so like another suggestion in that the article from the cut is that if this were like a documentary or even based on true events so you know like 12 years a slave for instance based on real events horrible things happen to people but they are really horrible things that happen Mm -hmm. to real people but this is made up do we need our fictional worlds to be quite so, you could say, gratuitously horrific? Mm. Um, what, do, what do we get from that as opposed to just not doing that? Mm. I, I don't know. I haven't fully worked out my thoughts on this because I, at the same time, I'm not saying that like all fiction should be sanitised and have unicorns in or something. But yeah, I, there are, have been a couple of moments when, as you say, I fast forwarded because I'm like, I just don't really need, maybe I need to know that this happens to her, but I don't know if I need to see it. Mm, totally. Yeah. Well, we can only hope that the season goes in a direction that we kind of enjoy more because I sort of feel like I'm in, I'm in it now. Mm, yeah, <laughs> so I will, same. I will I'll keep watching. It. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll check in on this one in a few weeks. Mm. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So the next thing we're going to talk about is the Netflix original movie, Set It Up, which is a romantic comedy starring Lucy Liu, Tay Diggs, Zoe Deutsch and Glenn Powell. Liu and Diggs play high-powered executives who make their assistants' lives, played by Deutsch and Powell, hell, until the PAs decide to play matchmaker for their bosses. So yeah, the leads are the Zoe Deutsch and Glenn Powell characters who what are they called like Samantha they've got like really like boring names <laughs> I can't remember them already uh Harper and Charlie Harper and Charlie and yeah they're both you know they kind of meet in the office after hours in a very like I'm always the last here no wait I'm always the last here yeah. kind of way and then they have this idea that if they could set up their bosses they would be distract more distracted and less desperate to be the workaholics that they are. Yeah, that's right. So essentially we would get free time because they would be with each other and not with us hounding us to do stuff. Mm-hmm. I feel like in a lot of ways this is like a super traditional rom-com. One of the things that really made me kind of nostalgic is all the Motown cues, all the songs they've mm, got in yeah, it yeah. are like these Motown romance songs, which really makes me think of like 80s and 90s and even to an extent like early noughties movies like Hitch. But like, you know, One Fine Day. Did you ever watch One yeah, Fine Day? Yeah, yeah, like all these kind of really not amazing, but very nostalgic 90s and late 80s uh, rom-coms. Um, and I think in premise, it is very much one of those as well, like set it up the pun there, like the idea that it's kind of like metropolitan workplace has, you know, uh, the I feel like the is the career man or woman uh, working so hard that it removes the true meaning from their lives is such a like classic yes. trope in rom-coms. This, this film reminded me stro- so strongly of The Proposal. Oh, I never saw uh, that. Oh, so in that Sandra Bullock plays the like type a yeah yeah um and then i get confused with the ryans but i think it's ryan reynolds plays her assistant oh, I thought you're gonna be like meg ryan <laughs> no no ryan reynolds plays her assistant she's actually canadian and is about to be deported because she doesn't have like leave to remain in america to work um so she makes him like marry her right for visa reasons mm-hmm. and obviously you can guess what happens yeah i love after it that yeah uh also that movie has, is one of those ones that i suspect might have been slightly sponsored by the alaska state tourist board <laughs> because he's from alaska and they have to go and meet his family and a lot of the film then just happens in glorious scenery in alaska funny. but anyway yeah this the sections that are in new york in the sort of fancy shiny office with him 
like getting her a million salads mm. and none of them being right mm. reminded me really strongly of this film. So, yeah, and I don't think it's a spoiler to say that, you know, they do manage to get Lucy Liu and Tadig's characters hooked up. And then there's a kind of frisson between the assistants mm. that maybe in the process of teaming up to give themselves better work lives, they've actually maybe influenced their own personal lives. Yeah. I've never seen Zoe Deutsch in something before. But Glenn Powell played a lead role in Scream Queens, where he was yes. like the kind of Id- handsome idiot jock who, you know, didn't believe everyone and almost get, you know, he's a potential suspect because he's kind of Wasn't creepy looking. Wasn't he also in Glee? I want to say he was in He could have been in Glee. He was definitely in Hidden Figures as the kind of yeah. sexy astronaut. Um, yes. I actually really like him. I think he's a really good comic actor think he's really funny i don't know if he's a rom-com leading man no <laughs> no i don't know if he is either and i he wasn't like amongst the things that made me like this film he was fine but he i didn't fi- i didn't find his like slightly eye-rolling sarcastic mode to really work in this no and i didn't think zoe and him had chemistry i thought the harper charlie characters it, they were nice to watch kind of joking together. It, like in a way they'd kind of be good on a sitcom in some ways. Like mm. they were very, you know, it's very zingy. It's not supernaturalistic. It's a very zingy, like these characters are very funny. Um, they're given good lines. But yeah, in terms of their like chemistry as a romantic couple, like for me, it was never there. It was they, I, at the end, I was like, oh wait, so they're not just going to go back to being friends like that's clearly what should happen <laughs> that's clearly what should that's exactly what i was expecting to happen as well is for them to just like high five and be like well done my new best friend yeah everything is great <laughs> like yeah um, and in a way the the lucy Liu and tay diggs characters have a have a lot more chemistry and they do you really believe in them yeah. i really believe that they did want to like bone each other <laughs> yeah and i would have preferred actually a rom-com about them <laughs> in which yeah. you know there was more because they kind of they write off one of the characters at the last minute and just kind of throw mm. them under a bus to serve the plot so there is no meaningful real relationship there in the end in the film but i w- kind of wish there had been and that they had been the the main characters just to want to be super cynical for a second and say that it's really nice to see a rom-com with like two people of color in major lead roles mm. but i did wonder did they have to put the white assistant characters in in order to get this made <laughs> could you not could you not just make a like manhattan office rom-com about lucy Liu and tay dick they're more interesting characters as well because they they're are. more am- and they're, they're more ambitious <laughs> you know i mean the assistants are better. both really ambitious as well one thing that i found interesting as well about this film is that i felt like they made the two women characters um, sports journalists. Mm. One very successful editor-in-chief of a sports multimedia, you know, website, organization, paper, blah, blah, blah. And one, the assistant aspiring sports journalist, which I felt was perhaps an attempt on the film's part to be, you know, a little woke, a little, um, you know, women can be really into sports. It's It's never at any point questioned, like, there's no jokes in this film about women not liking sport, which is good. It's like taken no. as red. But one thing I found really weird is that they're just sports journalists. They neither it's of them have any, any more specific yeah, have any beat or like any interest in any particular sport, any team that they seem to support. It's literally just like, oh, I love sports as a concept, which I feel <laughs> like in films where men enjoy sports, it's obviously they're given the team, they're given the sport, they're given like mm-hmm. a backstory as to how they got into it and why. Whereas 
these two women are just like into sport in a really general way and um harper specifically as someone who finds sports emotional and cries at sport which just the whole thing i found slightly bizarre i don't i don't really understand what the two boy characters do uh fine i think (laughs) tay diggs was meant to be a venture capitalist and presumably just the other people just like work for his venture capital Mm. company why are they in the same building don't really know no not clear also not clear like what kind of stuff does he invest in is he into tech? Like, I mean, who none cares at the end of the day? Like, yeah. I didn't watch this film for a greater understanding of venture capital. But Yeah, but I, I felt weirdly divided on that because on the one hand, yeah, I don't need super amounts of detail in a rom-com. You're not looking for vast amounts of backstory, mm. are you? You're looking for like mm. chemistry on screen and like a fun zingy script mm. and a good premise. But on the other hand, I felt like this film did not have enough background. Mm. You know, like the, the tiny little bits you got about Lucy Liu's character, you know, it's thrown out that she's, her investigative reporting has like caused a major upset in a sports league and there's some tiny little clips of her like telling off a sports person who she's interviewing for like looking at her boobs and Mm. I was like wow she she actually seems quite like quite an interesting character if only we were allowed to know more about her the makings are there and yet they just don't give they're not generous enough with the character to give you those those little extra bits of insight that you would need to be like wow this is a fully formed human and all her dialogue is either shouting at her assistant or compromising herself to be with this guy yeah or like these she doesn't have any of like, other i hate yeah. you because i love you kind of yeah <laughs> yeah i thought the relationship between harper and the lucy Liu character were really good uh there's a mm. lot of kind of you know we get we're shown the two relationships between the assistant as like one is very much a like find working with this person very difficult but have enormous amounts of respect for them and the other one dissolves into the two men you know, there's really nothing of substance there in the end. And there's no need for this guy to have any hero worship of this man. So it kind of dissolves into nothing. But I like that you're given both of those perspectives. The like, God, I'm such an overworked persistent assistant and my job, my boss is an ass kind of di- dynamic. And the like, yeah. actually, yes, it's been really hard working for this person and they're difficult, but I've learned a lot and it's actually going to be a helpful step on my career journey and so on so it was nice that neither relationship was written off or like romanticized in a gross capitalist way but that you were given two two versions of one story and I thought just thought it was really nice the way that the two women really respected each other in terms of their careers not in terms of you know anything else yeah that's true and also I did just smile a lot of the time while I was watching this film yeah it is a really nice like easy laid back rom-com doesn't have i don't i wasn't aware of it having any like awful gender politics or anything no like it was that, fine really. and like so. i would i'd give it a solid you know five out of ten or whatever which for me is all you need in a rom-com to be entertained absolutely yeah So last week, I think this originally came from a listener email, but it's also something that lots of people had suggested to me off the podcast. We decided to listen to the West Cork podcast from Audible, which is a true crime show about a murder that happened in, I think, I want to say 1996 in the West of Ireland. And so this podcast is made by a couple of producers who are, you know, looking in, and it was never properly solved, like, no one really knows who did it so yeah they're in classic true crime fashion they are trying to enlarge the case and hopefully come to some kind of conclusion about what really happened yeah exactly and 
one thing that really comes through is the sense of place. Uh, I think they say mm. quite early on something like, in West Cork, this is just known as the murder because it's the only one. <laughs> it's really the only murder story like this that that they have there. So in that sense, it's quite different to some of the other true crime stuff that I've listened to and watched um, in other places specifically. I feel like most, the vast majority of them are big American crime stories. Yeah. And so this is a slightly different kind of deal altogether, I think. Yes, absolutely. And there's also a sense that, so uh, the woman who was murdered, Sophie Toscan du Plantier, was a French film producer who'd, she had a holiday home in Western Ireland and that's how she came to be there. And there's sort of this sense that lots of people like her, sort of mm. artists and other people who just want to be alone and in a kind of empty landscape, choose to go to this place and something dreadful happened to her. And that this really, really captured media coverage in Ireland. As you say, it's just the murder for a mm. lot of people. And yeah, there was never an outcome like we don't know who did it well it's funny because i think i mean you can spoil yourself for this podcast quite easily because yeah if you just google her it, name. Yeah, in 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 ireland obviously it has been such a big um story and people have been following it for years with you know certain high profile suspects being accused and so on so you can definitely yeah look into it and kind of be spoiled for the events of the podcast but in a way i think that you know like something like evil genius on netflix which um mm. is set in erie in pennsylvania in the in the in the local area this is like a huge story with a predominant narrative that most people will ascribe to and it's really only by widening it up to a wider audience that you can kind of play around with that narrative and throw some other ideas out and stuff and because you're you're working from a place of much less assumed knowledge about it so that's kind of the opportunity they've got with this podcast and it's really nice to hear you know proper it's like properly reported and you get lots of the voices from the local community coming in which I think is why it feels so good to listen to yeah the one criticism I've seen in reviews of it is that uh, the murder victim herself doesn't really get much attention. It's often like the case you don't get much, things, isn't it? Yeah, you. They focus inevitably. They end up focusing a lot more on the sort of personal life and character of the major suspect than they do on her. Uh, and yeah, that's a common trope in true crime and also just in crime fiction generally. Uh, so yeah, that that and that is true. That is a little bit disappointing. I think I've listened to four episodes. I am told that there is a big twist in episode yeah, five. Uh, me too, and I haven't got that far either. But so I couldn't spoil that for anyone, even if I wanted yeah. to. But yeah, I overall I liked this podcast. I think it's well made. I think its sense of place is very good. Mm. And I also think that it's moved a little bit beyond, not very much, because obviously they want to tap into the same kind of audience, but it doesn't have quite the same like mad propulsion that something like Serial or Dirty John has or Atlanta Monster, the other like really massive true crime podcast from America, where it's like, must find out who did mm. it. This is more like, more let's effective. just learn more about this story. Like To be cliched about it, it's just more about the journey. Mm. And in that sense, it reminds me a bit more of what I still think is the best true crime podcast in the dark, mm. which they got super lucky with their first series in that they'd reported for a couple of years, even this great long story about a murder. Uh, and then 
the guy was caught about two weeks before they were due to start releasing episodes. So they were able to completely redo the beginning of their series and say, this man did it. Now let's see how he got away with it for so long. Mm. Um, But they've got a second series out at the moment, which is all about justice and why people are on death row. And basically it's just more about justice more widely yeah. than it is about this is why making a murderer for case. example had such broad reach right because it was also about reforming the justice system and it had much yeah. wider consequences than just one story and it's kind of you know you're faced with a choice when you're looking into true crime stuff like do you want this to be a case that's emblematic of many others that tells you something about the way yeah. we handle crime or do you want to just tell one story and tell it well and both those things i think can be valuable in different ways and i say west west cork is doing the latter yes absolutely apparently there are going to be more episodes i don't know if they're considering it to be a second series or if they're just sort of commissioned Mm. some more investigation but um yeah i saw a new story that said that there's going to be more of west cork as a sort of podcast media person how do you feel about it being on audible i feel really mixed about it this is a increasing trend for uh companies like audible and spotify that have a kind of premium Mm service well audible is only a premium service isn't it? it doesn't really have a free free aspect to make podcasts and then keep them behind their paywalls as a way of incentivizing people to sign up and there's a lot of chat in the sort of industry about who's going to be the netflix for podcasts like who's going to create the platform mm. that distributes other people's podcasts all tied into one mm. subscription and nobody's really nobody's doing that yet there's no universal so yeah i don't know I feel on one hand, I think it's great that, for instance, remember we reviewed Dissect, that music podcast. The guy who makes that has been given a load of money by Spotify to make his next series. That's cool. And he's been able to like quit his job. He was working in a coffee shop. He's been able to quit his job and like work on it full time and stuff. That's great. So I kind of think it's great in that way because it's giving independent creators money and space to do good things. But on the other hand, podcasts have always been free and really accessible and that's always been really nice about them. So I don't know. Yeah, I get that conflict, definitely. We'll have to see how how the landscape changes in the next couple of years because it is going to be a big turning point. Yeah, definitely. If somebody does crack the Netflix for podcasts thing, then I think it could yeah. work. You know, if you could pay £5 a month and access every premium yeah, podcast. Yeah, I'd do it, definitely. Definitely you'd do it, so maybe. But anyway, so Anna, what are we going to do for next week? So for next week, I'd love to recommend you an album that I've been really enjoying. It came out a couple of weeks ago and it's called Lush and it's by Snail Mail, which is the solo project of Lindsay Jordan, who's a 19-year-old from Baltimore. And she released an EP called Habit uh, when she was just 16. And it kind of snowballed away from her and became this critically acclaimed piece of work and this is her first debut album and it's Mm. kind of more mature and more produced um so it's like yeah a chance to see a really cool young singer songwriter making her first kind of proper mature work and i've absolutely loved this record and i think you will too okay i look forward to it yeah great Thanks for listening to this episode of Seriously, the pop culture podcast from The New Statesman. If you enjoyed the show, why not subscribe to make sure you never miss another episode? 
We're available in all the usual places you get podcasts, including on Apple Podcasts, where you could leave us a rating and a review if you fancy. It makes us happy and it also helps other people find the show. If you'd like to come and see us in person, check out the events page of our website, seriouslypod.com slash events. Details of our next pop culture quiz and anything else we're doing will appear there. We're available many other places on the internet, including on Twitter, Facebook and Tumblr. We're Seriously Pod on all of them. Follow us to keep up with what we're up to or to chat to other listeners about things you've enjoyed on the show. We love getting your recommendations for things we should feature on the show or hearing your thoughts on what we've already discussed. Get in touch on social media or email us on seriouslypod at gmail.com. And if you feel strongly that more pop culture needs to be taken seriously, spread the word and tell your friends and family about the podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina.